Schmodcast. It's a podcast. Schmodcast. Podcast. In the future. <gasps> Aloha. Aloha. Hey, y'all. This is uh, Schmodcast, the podcast, episode 29, titled Wave of the Future. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm the sidekick, Rebecca. <laughs> That sounded rehearsed. We're amazing. <laughs> Do you think that that it's like good rehearsed or like not stiff and we've lost that magic? No, it, sound, it sounded like the perfect combination of like we rehearsed it to sound natural, mm. which was just that it was just actually natural. And then immediately undone by us analyzing it live. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's what just happened. Y'all, we're calling this one Wave of the Future because we're actually – Recording this in the past, <laughs> we're planning ahead and recording this before we go on our trip so that it can release while we're on our trip in case you miss us a lot while we're gone. I um, read this outline and thought that was going to be a surprise. So I'm I'm surprised right oh. now. I'm like real time surprised. <laughs> how would it? Oh, how would it have been a surprise? How did you imagine that surprise going down? That we just wouldn't even tell them that they would just like think. They were in the present with us oh, when we published it, yeah. and they wouldn't have even known yeah. that we pre-recorded it. No, it's not. No, I like it. This is better. It's I just it's called. I'm not full very transparency. I don't really like surprises, and I'm not good at lying. Well, I guess not lying, withholding. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm a full disclosure kind of gal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. So, yeah, this is uh, Schmodcast the Podcast, the podcast that's just two PLPs recording something in advance so we can seem really extra cool. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the little things we, we did on our last episode, number 28, called Memory Lane, was to share some stories from our past. Um, and I thought this time for our intro, Rebecca, I'd like you to share the story about how you, like many years ago, you taught me about using emojis and exclamation points in text messages to so that the other person knows that you're being friendly. Mm-hmm. And I believe you got this from a beloved uncle. A Can very, you tell us more about that? A very cool uncle. We call him very Uncle cool. Char-Char, also known as Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in some years he might listen. So, hey, Charlie, <laughs> from, from the super past when you listen to this, <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah, I... We got into this, like, really deep discussion about just, like, language and actually related to qualifying language, which we've done in the past, about how useless words are, like, very or really and things that we put in front of it that Mm. that detract from our meaning or intention. And so I found this especially um, entertaining that this person who's, like, you know, really professional, like, super successful – and like he's precise typically he's very yeah. precise with his language yes and he doesn't do a lot of qualifying language and finds it irritating this guy does a ton of emojis when he sends texts so it's not just like uh-huh. hey how's it going or what's the plan it's like hey exclamation point how's it going three smiley faces two exclamation points <laughs> at the end of that he really really wants you to know he's in a good mood because otherwise you can get in your head as you're reading it as the audience he basically wants to com- he wants to control the context he doesn't want you mm-hmm. to read into fine period like what does that mean and i think yeah well because normally when we communicate with our voices we are communicating tone and you can't do that via text unless you add a thousand punctuations and emojis yeah and especially for people who are really 
effusive or emphatic communicators. There's a lot of hand gestures. There's a lot of intonations that let you know, I'm excited. And that needs to come across in text. So if you Mm -hmm. don't, if you're just using text, the way you include that is a really good emoji. Yeah, or several. And I really like it. You know, I feel like our community here in Hawaii uses a lot of emojis in their texts as well. Mm -hmm. Like more, way more than we experienced before moving here. Yeah, it's actually, I've I've really enjoyed it. And it's made me then add like a ton where I'm not just going to say like, hey, I was thinking of you and be like, hey, sunglass emoji. I was thinking about you. Shaka, rainbow, flower. Yeah. Heart. The heart one I've recently been playing around with because I don't want people to get the wrong idea when I send a heart, like maybe you think I'm hitting on you. So I'm exploring the array of different colored hearts. Why do we have to color them different? Nobody thinks so that my red sexy. heart is. I don't want. Nobody to be thinks sexy. the red heart is sexy. Just because I'm like when I send that to my mom or well, something. Well, obviously like, not your mom. That's what I'm talking well, about. So why do we have to use different colors? I guess I'm I'm really resisting the different colors. Well, I think it's really it's, needless. Can you tell me what the yeah, colors mean? Just like how we're celebrating Uncle Char Char and his like emoji as a way to like be a clear communicator. What if? Obviously, someone's infatuated with with you, right? You're like, oh, they probably are in love with me because I'm so amazing, but I don't want them to think that it's reciprocated. So I'm not going to send them a red or a pink heart. I'm going to send them like a blue heart, like a yellow heart. Friendship only. I just feel like I'm getting those <laughs> those colored hearts from people that I am definitely not flirting with. And then it makes me feel self-conscious that they've sent me like a purple or a blue heart when I'm like... You're my friend, and we're obviously not flirting with each other. They're just making it clear. How are we not closing the loop on that? It was already clear. Maybe it was already you. so clear. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to send like you a it. yellow heart emoji in like five minutes, and you're going to be like. See, that's what bothers me. <laughs> uh, we did not anticipate our intro going in this direction. But, yeah, I hate the multicolored hearts. Maybe I'm just I a curmudgeonly you, old person. What if I sent you a rainbow of heart colors? So you got your red, yellow, blue, yeah, purple, multiples is cute, fine. Right? It's just like, like, I don't know. I'm like, a red heart is not me hitting on you. If I'm hitting on you, I'm going to say, hey, I like you. Yeah. But, I'm interested in you sexually. Yeah. But you know how we talked about this just the other day, how that is – a unique thing about you and that the reason I would like everyone else to just get on board with saying what you mean and hearts are just hearts I would like sometimes a heart is just a heart it's just a heart I want an actual accurate heart emoji not emoji I want like an actual picture of a real human heart and that's what I'm going to start sending around why, how would that make people feel affection? Are you trying to convey affection with that? I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to get out of this whole colored heart confusion. So okay. that's how I'm going to opt out. Well, here's a great way to get out of it. I'll just let our listeners know one really cool emoji trick that you might like <laughs> is capital C, sunglass emoji, sunglass emoji, capital L. That's how you write cool from now on. Yeah. And it's really cool. It's the cool way to write cool. It's maybe the coolest heard- way to write cool. I think like Gen Z is moving away from emojis entirely. Well, you know, they don't like the thumbs up emoji. They find it aggressive. I know. We've talked about this. Apparently, um, like people just one generation younger than us think when you thumbs up something using the thumbs up emoji, it's like aggressive somehow. Yeah. It's just so passe. What? Yeah. 
So I, maybe we're moving to no emojis. Ask Uncle Char Char. Okay. He'll okay. know what's up. I'll text him with like a lot of emojis so he writes back fast. Yes. Unless he doesn't like emojis. I'm anymore. also going to ask him what's going on with the different colored hearts. Like what is what does he think? I bet he knows. I, I want to know knows. what the brown heart means besides just poop heart. There's a brown There's heart? There's a brown heart. Instead of Sante. Okay, yeah. Next ne- next episode, make a note to yourself. Self. I need you to research and let me know what the different colored hearts are because this has been happening for basically years and I've refused to learn what it means. And I always respond to every heart that I receive, no matter what color, I respond with a red heart. Sorry. I had no idea that I'd been mm-hmm. potentially offending you this long. Do you send me different colored hearts? You know, I don't think you've ever when sent I'm me not a heart. sure what people think about what about this like explosive situation of the colored hearts, yeah. I tend to just send the smiley face with the three hearts that circle them because it's like I'm feeling affection. I feel it's not loved. sexy. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, those little hearts are red, Rebecca. What if that's you saying I feel romantically loved by you and like, they're going to misread it? Tiny little red hearts floating around. Mm-hmm. It means I love they're myself red. romantically. No, if they're anything. red. They're red. What if you're colorblind? That adds a That's whole other lens to this. I'll ask my brother. Well, anyways, is anybody still listening? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Cool. Let's do some connects and corrects. Here's the thing. Yeah, come on since back, we people. Recorded come this, back. Since we recorded this like over a week early, <laughs> um, we don't have any really new co- connects and corrects really, mm-hmm. except that um, we did get a really cool note. A, a few people have uh, reached out to us about appreciating the episode about grief and just in general yes. over the months that we've been doing this podcast talking about uh, depression, anxiety, other like mental health concerns or just generally like how fucking hard it is to be a human. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a really cool tip from a friend who has gone through her own um, grief, like mega grief issues, and she shared with us this feelings wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca, can you explain what the feelings wheel is? Yes. She's got to grab it. I had okay, printed folks, it. She's back. I'm back. Yes, you have. I was going to okay. do that seamlessly, but then I got called out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the feelings wheel is um, – it starts with like center, like really large feelings, and there's this um, – like things that we all are familiar with, like joy or trust, loving, peaceful, surprised, afraid. And they split it into like a binary. So if your feelings, um, when your needs are not being met, these are the types of feelings you might have. And those are on the negative side. And then there's also the other side the feelings when your needs are met and those tend to be more positive. But it's just a lot more specific so that if you are feeling mm. some sort of anger, as an example, like Angry could be actually frustrated, annoyed, envious, mad. And I think we can all kind of easily grasp those, mm-hmm. like grab at those words. But they go a step further to be like, okay, so you're frustrated. Are you aggravated? Are you upset? Oh, you're annoyed? Okay, but are you resentful? Are you irritated? Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling especially like when we, in this, when we talked about grief or just this overwhelm, if you're in a period of overwhelm, it can be difficult to like identify specifically. And it's harder to get past just that first level. And so this feeling mm-hmm. wheel is just a nice visual reminder. So you can quickly get to like, where am I like literally feeling and try to help understand like the root cause then maybe like what specifically mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. issue and then try to identify like what might be causing that or ways to yeah. alleviate it. It's really cool, y'all. If you if you Google feelings wheel, 
Um, apparently, it's based on this nonviolent communication system by someone named Marshall Rosenberg, PhD. Um, so it's part of like nonviolent communication training and the feelings wheel could be a really interesting thing to have on hand for when you are feeling some sort of way and want to be able to help figure out what precisely you're feeling. Um, so thanks for that suggestion, dear friend and listener, and we hope that's useful to some of you. And I don't know if you noticed the, um, the picture in the middle, they have all these like little faces making little hilarious, um, versions of their emotions they match perfectly this magnet that i've had yeah. since our undergrad so i got that magnet yeah i think it's a popular poster so some people might be familiar with there's like a poster of like a bunch of cartoon faces and it says how are you feeling today and you can like pick which one you feel we have like a magnet of that yeah yeah and i'm just really proud that we've i've had that on my fridge since um 2004 yeah and, and there's like the because way. of <laughs> Yeah, this magnet version has like a little magnet that you can move the square over the face of how you're feeling that day. It's cute. Yeah, it's fun. That's cute. Well, <laughs> um, so that's a little connects and corrects. We also wanted to just um, shout out our very good friend who's coming to house sit for us while we're traveling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We're so excited to see you slash by the time you hear this, we will already have seen you. <laughs> yes. We were so happy to have seen you and thank you. Thank you for yeah, oh, house yeah. sitting. And right now I truly, truly hope that Ruby is sitting in your lap while you listen to us. Yes. That's where she belongs. Um, also in the future. So, so since this is coming out in a week, a little over a week, we will have already attended the Merry Monarch Hula Festival. Uh, Rebecca, how did you like it? Oh, it was so good. It was yeah? the best hula I've ever seen. What was your favorite part? Oh, probably the second one. I really thought. The second one. Mm-hmm. Number two. Yeah. It's the best one. The one where they, they told the story of the mm-hmm. creation of Kilauea. I like or was it the creation? The I like the, the creation story, like of how the whole earth got created, because yeah. that one features humpback whales. Oh, that one was really good. I liked the one where the there was like a whole troop dancing behind the main lady, but then she was so good <sighs> that everybody cried. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I I had my one last really good cry, and now all my tears are dried up. Ugh. It healed you. I liked that one. It healed me. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. I liked I also liked the one where the guy was playing the drums and somehow even though we were in an indoor arena, a rainbow appeared behind his head like <laughs> magically. Oh my god. <laughs> that wasn't your favorite? No, I just I can't believe I forgot that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I also I liked the one with the like young hula dancers that rode in on real live <laughs> sea turtles mm. that just like mm-hmm. they weren't riding them they were being pulled by the sea turtles with ropes were the sea turtles in tanks no on the ground and they they just had the ropes in there i can't believe you missed this you must have been going to the bathroom during this yeah. part i'm really well hydrated yeah. so that that would explain <laughs> that's, that's what it was. oh my god and what about the crafts fair there's always a crafts fair associated with it yeah how'd you like what that? did you like at the well, it's your turn. What did you like at the crafts fair? I really, I think my favorite is um, that our friend and neighbor got featured this year and he worked super yes. hard on all his art. And Shout out Puna Carver. Hey, Puna Carver. If you need any quality woodworking, punacarver.com. Mm-hmm. 
maybe potentially. I liked how every single one of his pieces sold. Oh, it was so good. I mean, they're they're just, mm-hmm. they're one of a kind and they're beautiful. And so I really mm-hmm. appreciate that we got to go see him and see that basically everything had a red dot on it because he sold it all. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was really cool. Good job. <laughs> okay. Well, enough connects and corrects. It is time to do some hot tops. And since I went first last time, I think it's your turn to go first. Happy to. What do you got for us? Okay. Do it. So we're going to start with a fun thing about owning a home in Hawaii and then end up in the number one jungle survival tool. Wow. I know. I'm going to take you on a ride. I'm not really sure how these are related, so let's do this. Wave of the future. Give it to me. Loosely, but wave, we know I think of water, and so that's what we're Mm -hmm. talking about today is water catchments. How we catch the water and how we safely put it in our bodies. Yes. So... For most of our, I think our fans with the Z, I think most of you all um, have municipal water that's been treated safely by like government officials and scientists. And so you can just like trust that the water is good. Um, here where we live, and particularly this part of the island, most people don't have municipal water. They have their own catchment. We might have mentioned this in the past. So we have like an above ground pool basically next door to the house that catches mm-hmm. the water, literally water catchment. And it comes in from the rain gutters on the roof of the house and fills that sucker up because we live in one of the rainiest places in America. So, Mm -hmm. um, so eco, but as you might imagine, an above ground pool can just also attract like buggies and grossies and, and leaves and, and whatever. Important quick clarification. It's not a pool though. Like we don't swim in it. It's a tank. It's a water tank. Yeah. I just wanted to paint a picture. Was that clear? Well, I just want to make sure people know it's not like an open air swimming pool. It doesn't look like a swimming pool. It, Wait, it's a it's you, a water tank. So you would you would not want me to climb into that. I would and not swim want anyone That's to climb into in our it. our drinking water. Okay, All right. and do anything in the drinking. That's water. really good to yeah. know. Well, there is okay. there is a tarp over it to make okay. it clear that that is not for people, and it's also a way to and, keep the water clean to keep the debris yeah, from falling like in it. A, a tight tarp. A tight tarp. It's a tight it's, tarp. Yeah, it's sealed. So I was really interested when we first moved here about like how does this just like random rainwater get treated and that we can trust that it's potable? Because there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions and everybody you ask has mm-hmm. their own unique theory and they kind of trash the other one and say, no, this is the way to do it. But everyone conflicts and they all make compelling arguments. And so one of the things that has me really excited is we finally cracked the cracked the code and we know for sure our water is like potable and safe for drinking. Yes. So when you visit just right out of any faucet, no problem. No problem. And the way that it works is the water gets pulled in by a pump under under the house through some pipes and it goes through a series of filters with like increasing um like specificity to like the micron level. So teeny, teeny, tiny. Mm. One micron is 0.000039 inches to be exact. So it's really, really filtering out even like almost microscopic level buggies and and debris. And then the final step, once it's pre-filtered is it goes through a UV light. So even if there was Mm -hmm. any sort of parasite or tiny microscopic thing their dna gets scrambled and so they're not um they're not like harmful harmful to us yeah Mm -hmm. 
And, oh, Ruby is here. I don't know if you hear her. She is vocal. Yeah, she wants Ruby to Ruby wants join. to be on the schmod. She's like, don't tell them about the water. She's been loving the water, so she probably doesn't want you to come and take all her good water. Mm. Well, okay, so that's how we do it here in our version of the jungle. And then it made me think about, obviously, like you do, what if we're mobile, like we're about to be when we're traveling, and we end up, like, lost in the jungle, we need some survival tips. And it just so happened that the number one jungle survival tool you need is not a machete. It's not a compass. It's not a gun. It's not mosquito netting. It's not even food. It is the ability to clean water with like a high quality yes. water filter. Yeah, yeah. And so I just thought everybody could really just use that reminder in case they're planning to like get lost in a jungle and survive. One of the mm-hmm. biggest threats to your survival is getting too dehydrated to do all the other things that you yeah. need to live. It's like your most immediate need. And probably the main way a lot of people end up like suffering and dying mm-hmm. out in the wilderness too is because you end up drinking unclean water and it can be really dangerous. Exactly. Or you don't notice that you're um, you're losing you're you're like getting dehydrated at a rapid a more rapid rate especially in like a humid place Mm -hmm. so when you're in the jungle as opposed to other places in the world you're um you get oh hold on this is so amazing so human bodies they contain like 11 gallons of water so you're 11 gallons i'm 11 gallons that's a lot of gallons wow that's a lot of water for our friends on the metric system that's 42 liters so still just as amazing as a number But in in the jungle, when it's hot and it's humid, you can lose up to 25% of that water every day. Mm -hmm. Uh That's like like a lot. So that's the reason that's important. (laughs) To have clean water, to put it in your body, and you're going to need to replace 25% of 11 quick math. That's like three gallons a day. Yeah. That's a lot. I wouldn't have even thought that I needed to drink three gallons of water a day to survive in the jungle. I just found that really interesting. Well, is that just to survive or to thrive? Thrive. Yeah. They say two to three gallons to function at your physical peak. And I think it's fair to say if you're lost in the jungle alone, you're not, you're stressed out. You're pretty anxious. You're not, you're not already operating at your peak. Well, and then it's going to decrease your ability to, like, filter things through your kidneys and all that because mm-hmm. you just don't have enough liquid to make it happen. Yeah. And so wow. one of the things that they also explain is, like, if so if you, so basically get yourself a life straw or some other type of thing mm-hmm. if you plan on getting lost in a jungle. Or even if you don't plan it, just have one for in case something happens with the way you make water safe in your home. Uh, That way, also, if you happen to be lost in the jungle, um, you can avoid having to spend all of your time looking for clean water sources because you'll have this straw that just lets anything be potable. Yeah, a life straw. For those of you who don't know what it is, there are these like little tube straw things that Mm -hmm. um, do can filter any type of standing water and make it um, non-life threatening for you. So you can literally like drink from a puddle using one of these straw filters and it's safe. Yep. So now, so I just decided everybody needed that PSA and I know, I know our next trip has nothing to do with getting lost in a jungle, but I just wanted you to know I was thinking about it just in case. I appreciate that. (laughs) You've already thought about it. So make sure we're going to just buy bottled water where we're going, but. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly easier. So that's going to be the plan. (laughs) And uh, that's it. That's awesome. The wave of the future. Yep. 
Well, I kind of surprisingly, for my wave of the future topic, am again going to talk about the past a little bit. Oh. Um, my hot top is about modern hobos and train hoppers. <gasps> oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> Have you heard about this before? No. Well, I mean, I, I can't even. I've like I've assumed that they were still alive and well, but I didn't know it was like a fad. It's a thing, and I I can't even remember where I first heard about this. I made a note of it months ago as a, like a potential hot top, but mm-hmm. I didn't know enough about it yet. So I've done a little research, and again, I've printed off some articles, so get ready. Okay. Um, the first one is from um, an online source called How Stuff Works, and it's from 2021. <sighs> it's called Still Riding the Rails, Life as a Modern Hobo. Oh, my God. And basically, what you need to know is that um, hopping trains is still considered one of the late, last great traveling adventures for a lot of people. A lot of people who are trying to hop trains are not destitute or desperate anymore. They're hobo, hoboing as a hobby or as a way to honor um, relatives and ancestors who used to participate in hobo culture. Oh, yeah. Also, hobo, which sounds like it might be derogatory or a slur, is not. We can say hobo, apparently. Yeah. Still allowed. Doesn't it stand for something like homeward bound or like some kind of like. Oh, I didn't find that anywhere. There's some. Future connects and corrects. Yeah. Just a little pin in that one. Set. I thought it yeah. stood for something. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I don't know where hobo comes from, but we're allowed to still say it. Okay, good. According to this article, um, today's hobos are gutter punks and anarchists, crusty kids and societal dropouts trying to piece together an existence outside of civil society. And the best way to get there is to hop a train. So very few people are actually still doing this. There's actually something called the National Hobo Association. Oh, my gosh. Who says there's only about like 20 to 30 people who are full-time riding trains now. But there's another like 2,000 people that might ride trains part-time for recreation throughout the United States. So the very first American hobos... Uh, were cast-offs from the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, soldiers returned home, jobs were scarce, and all these, like, young men who couldn't find work just, like, took to the r- newly built railroads trying to find fortunes elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just found it. I hadn't seen this before. Okay. Hobo is a shortened form of the word, the phrase, ho-boy. H-O-E, boy. Oh. Ho- I don't know what the ho is. Ho-boy. Yeah. Yeah. And so most of the people <laughs> doing this, it wasn't like an intentional lifestyle. It was a way of looking for odd jobs and menial farm labor. And then, of course, like, you know, so the Civil War, 1860s, people start doing this. And then there's the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl in the 1930s. So there's a lot of migrant laborers. Mm-hmm. Um, according to one estimate, hobo ranks swelled to 4 million adults and 250,000 teenagers between 1929 and World War II. Oh, my god! So that's 4.25 million people that they think were, like, full-time hobos hopping trains illegally, uh, crisscrossing the nation, looking for work, um, getting illegal rides on top underneath, and sometimes inside train cars. Um, so, of course, with that many people, they developed some this famous hobo code. 
Most of them were illiterate or many were illiterate. So they developed a system of signs, scrawling things on fence posts and train crossings so that they could communicate information to fellow travelers. Like, for example, they could put a bird and that meant there's a free telephone at this place. Oh. Or a cross says, if you profess a religious belief, you can get a free meal here. Oh. Um, yeah. There's some people question whether that's a real, like the hobo code, whether it was all that widespread, but people love the story. So we're going to pretend that it's real, even though we don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I love the idea of that. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to perpetuate that for sure. Yeah. So nowadays these like 20 to 30 full-time hobos and 2000 <laughs> hobby hobos, hobby hobos. um, they're like not as much looking for work if they're less destitute. It's more about freedom and independence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a counterculture thing. Yeah. But it's super dangerous. Because they're still doing imagine. the jumpy on a train, no pay for yeah. it thing, right? That's still happening. And most okay. of the train cars are closed. So you can't even actually get into the train car most of the time anymore. You're riding like in between the train cars or on top of them. People lose limbs. People get killed. Yeah. Um, there's a cool rule. So the rule is only hop a train if you can clearly make out each bolt of the spinning wheels. Because it's not going too so fast yet. It's not going too fast and you are not too inebriated. Oh, the hobby bows. Uh-huh. The hobby hobos are also drunk sometimes. Well, yeah, a lot, a lot. There's drugs and stuff sometimes. So, oh, so I if see. you can see each bolt clearly, you are in your full faculties and the train is going slow enough for you to jump on it. If it's blurry, don't do it. Mm. Yeah. What would be your, what would be your, heuristic for whether or not you can hop a train like for me i think the door is wide open and someone's saying come in that's it has to be stopped (laughs) yeah if it's not moving at all Mm -hmm. and probably on um, a platform at a train station it it probably yeah like the entrance needs to probably be lower than my waist yeah and then i might be able to jump high enough to drag myself onto it safely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Okay. 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 So modern hobos say they they especially like look out for each other. It is dangerous. The trains are dangerous. It's illegal. There's sometimes murders. There's drug overdoses. But they really look out for each other, especially they claim to like especially look out for women who are hopping trains. Well, there's only 25, Um, so they must all know each other. I know. There's like not that many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Every August... Hundreds of hobo and hobo aficionados gather for the National Hobo Convention in Iowa. Oh my God! That's right. There's a convention. Are the are the lady hobos called hobettes or hoboettes? No. Okay. Equality. Are hobas? No. Mm. Okay. Ho ho girls, hoagies, hoagies. <laughs> <laughs> they're not that's no hoagies so, is what we call fans of this culture these hobos yes we're hoagies yeah. for example we're hoagies okay so I, like i said there's not that many full-time hobos so the convention is really more about like preserving hobo culture and can we sharing go? stories from the past yeah i think anybody can go okay yeah cool 
I really like this quote. Um, the hobo lifestyle is a curious thing to celebrate, but it speaks to something quintessentially American, a spirit of rebellious independence, mm. hard scrabble survival, and the hope of something better a little further down the line. Mm. As grim and desperate as the lifestyle can be, as long as there are trains, there will probably be hobos. <laughs> And that cute. That's really that was okay. They're really good. Yeah, I, I had a couple other articles. Yeah, go ahead. I know. Lay I had a couple other articles. They don't give us like that much more information, but there were a couple, a couple little notes I wanted to say from these. This was like a local newspaper from Park Rapids, Minnesota. Um, they just really helped. They they're telling people's personal stories about hobos. Google this if you want to read some of the cool like personal narratives. But um, this article also wanted to make it clear, riding the rails is illegal and it's dangerous, as it was way back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, blah, blah, blah. Again, like respecting that the hobos of yesteryear were really there for work. So like our – as much as we might want to – romanticize hobos as like free-spirited or um, demonize hobos as being mm-hmm. like lazy people who just didn't want to work. The actual the the actual um, origin story is that people were moving from place to place for labor because they were having a hard time getting jobs. Hashtag capitalism. Hashtag it doesn't work. <laughs> um <laughs> the hobos, in, in fact, were um, instrumental in constructing the railroads and the towns around railroads. You have to be super crafty and have a good head on your shoulders to be a hobo. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, the hobo code is less about symbols and more about the Internet. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So people connect on Facebook and they'll like tell they'll like check in with different friends or groups and be like mm-hmm. I'm in this area. This article also points out that the vast majority of modern train hoppers have dogs. Um, so almost they this is a quote from a hobo, a modern day hobo. You spend every waking moment with your animal, even when you're asleep. They're right there next to you constantly. You don't go to work and then come home and walk them for a few hours. You're constantly with them everywhere you go. They're with you. I know people who are like, oh, my dog is like my kid, but like my dog is all I have. So dogs are also like a really important part of modern day hoboing. And you have to be able to like get your dog onto the train with you. Yeah. What do you this do? This guy also oh, What do you ahead. do if you go, have to go to the bathroom? You or your dog? I it, none of these articles answer that question. What do you think they do, Rebecca? I think they I think they drop trowel and they lean off the edge and just go for it. I think you're probably right about that. But I don't know how you teach yeah. your dog to do that. This is why we have to go to the conference in Iowa. Okay, we'll go to the conference and ask. Where you can Google how do hobos let their dogs pee. I just feel like it's going to end up being like some weird porn. You know how sometimes you search something innocent and you just end up in a dark place? That doesn't really happen to me. Oh. Well, it's just you. Okay. Well, let's just move on immediately because now we'll I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> child filters on your Google or yeah, something. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't have safe search uh-huh. on. That's what's happening. Yeah. Well, this guy who had that quote about his dog said that he also knows a train hopper who brings an iguana with her. So there's a variety of animals, but almost everybody has an animal. We should find out how her iguana goes to the bathroom. I bet it just goes right on her. Yeah. 
Another thing that this article pointed out is that they're, they do, their biggest fear is getting caught because there are some places where if they get caught, they'll just be told to like move along, like get off the train or whatever. Uh-huh. But there are some places where they'll be harassed or jailed. It can be kind of dangerous to get caught. Um, the, but many times they're just like, Hey, you got to get off the train. And then they end up having to walk really long distances, which is well, also yeah. a major bummer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like far. Yeah. Cause I guess, cause, yeah. cause they're not, they're probably, they're jumping on trains that aren't necessarily just like passenger Amtraks, right? They like, they're like probably on freight cars. Oh, mostly freight trains. Any, yeah. The they vast don't majority of trains checked, are freight. Right? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're just like in the middle of some kind of like prairie or tundra or wherever they got caught. Yep. Mm. They just get sent packing. Last little thing this article did ask the like train company spokespeople who want to make it very clear it is illegal to access private railroad property anywhere other than a designated pedestrian or railroad crossing. Freight hopping and train hopping is illegal and unsafe. Mm. They say, don't do it. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm not going to be jumping trains anytime soon. I was out the second... I heard the story about the wheel nut, like lug nuts or whatever, because I was like, it just doesn't seem easy. I don't, I'd like a step stool or something to make it convenient. I thought you were still until you started thinking about bathrooms. I think I could handle that. Like I would just, here's the thing. I'm not sure what I would do with all my furs. Doesn't seem like a great place to travel with all your furs. And um, we don't have a dog. Ruby would never tolerate this. There's no way she could handle it. I And I don't know how to emphasize this to you enough, Rebecca. Only 20 to 30 people are full-time hobos. Most of these folks have a home somewhere. They're just also hopping the train. So yeah. Ruby can be home with the furs mm. while we go hop the train. Oh, I see. So we just we would be like fair weather hobos. Hobby hobos. Were you listening? Yeah. But I thought we were going to do the conference and be like number 27 and 28. Full-time oh, hobos. you wanted to go full-time. Yeah. You're an all-or-nothing kind of a person. No, I just meant, like, hop one train ever. Okay. Well. As soon as soon as we figure the bathroom situation out, I'm done. Let's just – so let's start out as what we are right now. Just We're just hoagies. We're interested. We're, we're supportive. Yeah. Well, we're not – I'm not the, personally that supportive. I, yeah. I kind of – Oh, what about, about, what about ho, ho bros? That's like the friends of the hobos. Are we hobros? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was really interesting. I'm so Fun, glad you right? brought that to me. Yeah. It's like a really off the beaten path topic for us, but I've been sitting on it for a minute and I was just so curious about yeah. traveling the country via train illegally. And I know it's not at all related, but it reminded me, uh, there's like one section in that book, American Dirt, we read where there's some train hopping and they do a really good job. Oh, Yeah. I, I don't know that that novelist was ever a hobo or a hobby hobo, but they, they did a no. good job painting the picture, like, viscerally of what that would feel like to actually be a train hopper right on a train. Well, and in that story, it was in Mexico mm-hmm. that they were hopping the trains, and it was for, like, to get to El Norte. Yeah. 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 Yep. Oof. Yeah. That was a, that was a tough book to read. Yeah. Like, not, not like the vocabulary or anything. You didn't find it. <laughs> The story yeah, the, was, the was troubling. The content was challenging. The content it, was difficult. It made me, yeah, it made me sad. But also, they it's like a, it's a real thriller. Like, that was a page turner for oh, sure. You yeah. could not wait to find Big out time. what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Okay, well, we, we've finished our hot tops, and it's time for a little outro gimmick since we are about to be traveling to South Africa. That's right. You heard it here, folks, South Africa. Rebecca, what's one thing that you think will happen that we will see or do while we're in South Africa? Not something obvious, something strange. Oh, okay. But you have to guess. Okay. Okay. Something. I mean, you can't just be like, we'll, we'll see a lion or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think Mm -hmm. we are going to taste an amazing wine while we're there. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. You think that there will be at least one glass of wine you have that you're like, holy moly, this is an amazing South African wine. Napa Schmappa. Mm -hmm. This is good. Mm. Yeah, that's what mm. I think is going to happen. What do you that. think is going to happen? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, one thing, I, I like prepared the question, but I didn't prepare myself to answer it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> I think at least one person will get sick. Like diarrhea? Yeah, like I think at least one of us one day is going to be like, I don't feel like doing anything today. I'm do you, sick. Do you think that you're looking at that person right now? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a mirror, so if I, but I have my my Zoom camera, so I could be looking at me or at, at you. I guess I just assume you're you're if you're not looking at me, it really looks like you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at us both at the same time. That's why my eyes are always crossed. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. One of us is going to get sick. Um, well, that's, you, I that's think, unsettling because you're kind of witchy. I think, I think we'll get caught in the rain. But like fun? Like, like, like in the, a good way. Like the pina colada yeah, like song? Cheeky. Okay. Cheeky caught in the rain. I think we will take more than 10 photographs that we think need to be printed, blown up, and framed Art. as like posters in our home. Totally. I yeah. think. I think we're going to see a shark, even though all the internet is saying the sharks have left False Bay. I think we're going to see I think we're going to see a seal. <gasps> I think we're going to scuba with seals because part of our scuba trip is like the sea seals and kelp and forest. And sea kelp forest. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. that doesn't seem – you were saying – the but you add that caveat about something that will be unexpected. I know. And I expect strange. a seal. I'll be well, excited to see a taking shark. it – we're taking it on for a ride now. Oh, okay. We're, we're just prompt now we're just riffing. We're just going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're going to be jet lagged. Oh my god. I think I'm going to watch some really good movies on the plane. Ooh, I bet you're going to fall asleep on the plane. Oh, I hope you're from your lips to God's ears. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to finish that <laughs> insanely long book that I got from the library. Oh, God, what is it? Oh, it's such a jam. Okay, Rachel, announce that I'm leaving my desk for a second. Uh, Rebecca's leaving her desk for a second. Oh, I'm back. back. I'm back. I ran, I uh, checked out Forever Amber, which was on the banned book oh, list in 1944. So boring. It looks so boring. What is, is it about a prostitute? It's sexy. I know, but it's like old Renaissance tetas. It's I not know. even cute. Let me tell you, this book is 972 pages long. Ew! How big is the font? Look at it. It's like regular Times New Roman. <gasps> oh, Rebecca, why are you reading this? Well, 
um, because I I did read this a long time ago, and I've been uh, enjoying like a book renaissance where I've been rereading books that I read either like in as a young kid, not young, but like middle school, high school, college. I've just been like revisiting books that I read before to just see if it feels the same or different, just like fun nostalgia. Uh-huh. And so this was one that I um, I said I liked, and I just wanted to reread it and see if I've Gosh, changed it all. If you still like it, I just I didn't realize though that Past Rebecca had that it's... kind of like patience. Like wow, uh, I think Past Rebecca was a little academically competitive as well. But like I read that book for fun. That's not. I know, so but like, like you would do the stuff hell for fun I doing? just to prove how smart you are, no? This book is not about being smart. It's a trash mm, book. Okay. You know why I read this book? It's because there's why? A, there's a random reference to it in an I Love Lucy episode. Uh, and I and I didn't understand the joke, so I looked it up and then was like, what's a banned book? And then I got down a rabbit hole. I do hole. like that it was banned in the 1940s. That's cute. It was for being too provocative because this girl, oh. this woman has um, sex out of wedlock. She what? She has sex out of wedlock. That's bad. It's really bad. Scarlet Letter. Mm-hmm. We, I just finished reading When Breath Becomes Air about a neurosurgeon who dies of cancer. Spoiler alert. Um, everybody knows that. Oh. It's not a secret. Okay. But I'm about to start. Have you ever read Unfamiliar? I think it's called Unfamiliar Fishes or something by Sarah Vowell. I don't think so. I'm, I'm about to start that. And it's about Hawaii. Ooh. That's why it sounds familiar, I guess. It's been on the list. Yeah. It's been on our list, and it was one of the few books on my list that was available audio loan mm. immediately. Like, I didn't have to wait at all, so I'm just going to do it. That's the winner. That's the winner. That's the one. That's the one. Okay, well, this has been fun book chat. Yeah, um, little, do you want to do our little our little spiel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so people, this is not people, a book club. People, people. Instead, uh, let us know if you have a hot top suggestion or you want to submit your own response to something that we've said. We packed in a lot mm-hmm. of goodies for you today, so I'm sure you'll have some <laughs> opinions. Uh, call and text if you know us or email us at schmodcastthepodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram. Handle is schmodcastthepodcast. Yeah, it might take us a minute to get back to you because I don't know if you heard, but we're going to South Africa. Yeah, and I already only check the email once a week, so... <laughs> just like diligent be a minute this has been a rebetchel production proud sponsors of rebetchel b-day extravaganza Doing.